Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I have entitled this message, Devil, You Can't Have My Children. This thing's been laying on me, and uh, there are things that I want to say. So let me just, let's just see what happens, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, I want to read verses 1 through 8, and then I'll finish with verses 18 and 19. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way, So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, notice this, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's probably one of the greatest verses in the Bible. When you're in a bad place, you can strengthen yourself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So David recovered all that the Amalekites, this is verse 18, so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters spoil or anything which they had taken from them David recovered all you can be seated this morning David and his fighting men had established a base of operations in the city of Ziklag David was not yet king of Israel he was still a fugitive running from King Saul but he and his small army would attack the enemies of Israel and then protect the Israelites who were living nearby. And one of those enemies, the Amalekites, took the opportunity to attack Ziklag while David and his warriors were away in battle. The Amalekites were the arch enemies of the nation of Israel. And they burned that city, Ziklag, to the ground and captured the women and children. These were the wives, the sons and the daughters of David and his men. And so when they returned from fighting their battles, to their dismay, their wives and their children were gone. I want to stop right there and tell you that I see a correlation in this story between David and his men and the church today. We have enemies of our faith. Of course, there is the devil. There is a devil out there. Then there is this evil world and its corrupt, sinful system with its warped ideologies and philosophies. 
And the devil is a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. I want you to know he wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to capture your children and ruin their lives. He longs to alienate them from the Christian faith. The same is true of this evil world system that we live in. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you, we do not follow the trends and the philosophies of this world. I see that happening in the church. Little things creep in. There are people that call themselves Christians, but they want to support abortion. People who call themselves Christians, but they want to support other things that the Bible clearly says are sinful. And they're trying to create a a, a context where you can somehow serve Jesus Christ and yet advocate for sins. Listen to me. We are in this world, but the Bible clearly says we are not of this world. The people, the ideologies, the values of this world are anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Ten Commandments, anti-Church, anti-people of God, and anti-righteousness. And yet I come here today to regret to inform you that our sons and our daughters are in danger of being taken captive, if you will, by the devil and this evil world. There are forces that are doing everything they can to capture the hearts and the minds and the spirits of our children and drag them away from their faith in Christ. Some of these include things that are in the headlines like transgenderism, homosexuality, one of the things that I'm concerned about, mental health issues. If I can get to the end of this message, I'm going to address all three of those. The Bible says that David and his men wept over their families until they ran out of tears. It will break your heart when you see your children suffer. We have had children in our church that have suffered. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the devil in the world, but we've just had children that are suffering. We've had situations. Most of you know about Houston and and his situation, and thank God he is a walking miracle, literally, what God is doing in that young man, and we ought to give God praise. I thank God for what he's doing, and if Jennifer was standing here today, she would tell you it is nothing but the hand of God. And yet what happened to that little boy, it just, it, it, it hurts me. You don't know. I've talked to Leah time and again. I said it just troubles me to think what happened to him. We've got, we've got people in our church that are grown, but that fight uh, having physical difficulties, physical problems. And, and, I, and, and I worry for them, and I struggle with them. Uh, we've got some families who have grown children who have seizures. Their kids are having major seizures. They can't even drive to go to work. My own daughter, a lot of you don't know this, and I don't think she'd mind me telling this. It, it was pretty public about it, but we just didn't say anything. But Mary Beth is pregnant with our their fourth, our fifth grandchild, and it's a girl. The stars are going to have a girl, Mom. And a few weeks ago, I know, and I'm going to be ruined, aren't I? She'll have me right there. 
And a few weeks ago, she started bleeding, and we didn't know what was going on, and it turned out that she had a tear in her placenta and had to be in the hospital for a week. So we were walking through that, praying and crying out to God, you know, here's, here's my granddaughter, and there's a danger there for her before she's even made it to this world. And by the way, they're babies and humans in the womb. I'm just going to say that. They're babies and humans in the womb. David told Jeremiah the prophet before, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. We need to make up our mind on these things, brothers and sisters. Help me, Jesus. I will not be bombastic today. I made up my mind. It will break your heart when you see your children rejecting the faith. It will break your heart when you see your child pulling away from God. It will tear your heart to pieces when your child goes back into sin or goes into sin and you think you've lost your child to sin it is time for the church to get concerned about our children it's time to be distressed it's time to be upset we need to shed some tears and yet we have to do more than cry and complain we have to do something about it because if all we do is cry nothing is will be accomplished and our children will be lost but i will just get a little preachery right here we need to tell the devil, devil, you'll not have my child. You can't have my son. You can't have my daughter, world. You can't take from me what God gave to me because he's not yours. She doesn't belong to you. He's my responsibility. I'm the one that teaches her what's right and what's wrong. And devil and world, I reject your attempts at indoctrination of my children. I won't permit you to confuse my son or pervert my daughter because if you want to get to them, you're going to have to go through me and through God Almighty. Now there I got a little bombastic. So what did David do? I want to look at what David did so that we can know what we should do. Is that okay? David encouraged himself in the Lord. David's men turned their anger and grief on him blaming him for their loss. But David turned to the Lord for strength. And if you're concerned about your child or they are embracing the wokeism of our society, I'm certain some blame has been tossed around. You probably blame yourself. You might be blaming your spouse. Some people will blame the church. Some people just love to blame God for everything. We can blame the educational system. We can blame the government. We can blame social media. We can blame your child's friends. Blaming will only take you so far. My advice is do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord. I've studied that word. Let me, if you take notes, here's three things for you so that I can help you today pragmatically. Number one, get some faith. Walk in faith. Make up your mind. You're going to trust God to handle this. Focus on the Lord. Focus on His ability to turn things around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. You know, we sang that last, the other Sunday. God, turn it around. Trust God to turn it around. Second, what does it mean to encourage yourself? Don't give up on your child. Set your mind to do what needs to be done and to stand in the gap for them. Third, get a warrior spirit. Get a warrior spirit. David strengthened himself in God. That means he leaned on God for courage to do what needs to be done in spite of what was going on around him. God made him valiant. 
I'll be honest. If I get to the end of this message, I'm going to give you a biblical viewpoint of transgenderism and homosexuality. And I'll be honest, I've had some fear coming to this pulpit because of that stinking camera right there. I used to just be able to preach to you and what's, what happened in Vegas stayed in Vegas. Not now. It's all out. And I've had to pray for God to give me some valiance today. And I'm not going to be afraid or ashamed to preach what thus saith the Lord. What thus says the Lord, it doesn't matter what I say. God made him valiant. My, the lady who cuts my hair, men are supposed to have a barber, but I guess I have a hairstylist. That's, I don't even want to say that. My wife's laughing her head off. She's a young lady. She's about my oldest son's age. I'm old enough to be her father. She's been cutting my hair now for years. So when I see her, my once a month, when I see her every month, we catch up, and I say, what's happening? And I said, what's going on? Tell me about your kids. She has beautiful daughters. And she told me about her oldest. Went to high school first time, first day, high school. She got bullied in class. And had a substitute teacher, and the teacher did absolutely nothing, let it happen. Her daughter came home terrified, said, I don't want to go to school anymore. The girl does my hair. Her, name, her name's Cat. Her nickname's Cat. She said, I looked at her, and I said, that's my baby. She said, Pastor, she said, ooh, you know what comes out of you. Mama bear. Mama bear came out of her. She called the principal and said, I'm on my way. She showed him that principal's office and said, that's my baby. And my baby's afraid to come to school. The principal didn't like that. And she said, you're going to do something about it, and you're going to do something about it today. The principal did, which is what the principal should have done. Went to the teacher, talked to the teacher, and handled it. But y'all, we need to get a mama bear spirit. We need to get a papa bear spirit. Okay? You know, the old saying, don't poke the bear. I got, I, I've been poked every once. I'm really a warm, fuzzy guy. I really am. Don't poke me. Can anybody relate to that? Don't, I, I, honestly, I will go, I'll give grace, I'll extend grace, but if you just cross a line and poke me, you're going to wish you had and I think we need to get to the point we need to tell the devil in this world you've poked a bear this is my baby this is my child and I'm not going to just lay down and let you take my child so David encouraged himself in the Lord next David prayed to God listen to me you need to hold up your children before God in prayer constantly and I know right now everybody in this church may think well pastor oh, everybody does that really? I mean, right now, if I could just go get your prayer life this last week and we had a recording of it, don't raise your hand, don't do it. How many times did you pray over your babies? Even if they're grown. Listen, my kids are grown and have kids, but I pray for them every day. I pray for them in various and sundry ways. I call my children out. We ought to be holding our kids up in prayer. Pray for your child. If they're not saved, pray for conviction on them. Pray if, they're, if, they've been, if they've been deceived by this junk of this world, pray that God would open their eyes. Pray that God would save them from this stuff. Let me give you three things that I haven't given you in a long, long time. For a lot of you, this is going to be brand new. It'll be on the screen. There are three hedges you can pray around your child. And you should pray this, especially if your child is being negatively influenced and you're worried about them. Number one, pray, pray that God would remove 
every and any negative people and influences in their life. God, I'm praying a hedge around my child that they can't get to them anymore, that you're going to stop them. When my oldest son was had gone back into sin, he doesn't know how many times I prayed against his coaches. I said, God, if his coaches are having a negative influence on him to keep him from coming back to Christ, I pray they'll get fired. That's right. You pray a hedge around your baby. I don't care about any coach's salary, anything, his mortgage. I don't care, but this is my child. If you're leading my child away from God, I'm sorry. I don't care about you. All I care about is my son and his soul. My daughter, her soul. You with me? So you got to pray. Pray pray it. Say, God, in the name of Jesus, put a hedge around my baby. God, don't let these people get to them anymore. Second, pray this hedge that God would place godly people and influence in their life, that they would be hedged in with people who will positively influence them. God, just put a hedge around them where now they can't get away from them, that these people are speaking life into them and speaking truth into them. Pray that. Here's the third hedge. Pray that God would hem them in with his presence and power. Say, God, just hem them in. Put a hedge around them, God, and be on, be on them. Convict them. Let them go to bed with your presence. Get up with your presence. You just keep working on them, God. They can't get away from you. Let them eventually, God, have that deep, life-changing experience with Jesus. You pray over your kids. That's, that's, that's deep praying, y'all. So David encouraged himself the Lord. He prayed to God. And then this is the great part. David and his men physically, literally, went after their wives and their children. They went to the enemy's camp to take back what was stolen from them. And to win this battle, you have to attack what needs to be attacked. You have to combat lies with God's truth. You have to combat humanistic philosophies with God's word. You have to combat fiction with fact. And you will have to confront some people who have a diabolical agenda. Listen to me now. I'm getting very pragmatic. You're going to have to tell some kids that they can't come to your house anymore. That's your house. You can tell who comes in and who doesn't. You're going to have to tell some kids that they cannot come to your house. You have to tell some kids that they cannot connect with your son or daughter anymore. Well, what will her mama say? What will his daddy say? I don't care. This is my child. I have responsibility for them. It sure is quiet in here. Somebody on the internet just amen me. Thank you. You have to tell your child he or she cannot text certain people. You may have to take their phone away. The one that you pay for. You have to tell your daughter she cannot watch certain things. This is not being mean. It's called tough love. Would you let a ravenous wolf in your house? Would you let a ravenous wolf have access to your children? No. Protect your kids. And may I remind you, I haven't preached like this in a long time. Let me remind you, your kids don't need you to be their pal. They need you to be their parent. Stop being their pal. Serious? 
Because if being a pal keeps you from disciplining them or telling them no or making those tough decisions where they fuss and scream and pout and go to the room and slam the door or whatever else, then you are failing in your role because you're not called to be their pal. You're called to be their parent. You can be both, but you have to be their parent first. Educate yourself on the issues. Be prepared to respond to their statements and answer their questions. I've done good. I didn't know if I'd get here, but I've stayed with my notes. Pentecostal preachers get in trouble when they leave their notes. We can add 20 more minutes to a good sermon. So I'm okay. I feel good about this. So just hang with me. Thank you, Lord, that I got this far. I'm, I prayed about this message today. I want us to examine some of the issues thrown at our children, see what God's Word says, and there's no way that I can cover everything. But these are the ones I'm worried about. Transgenderism. The Oxford English Dictionary defines gender as, and I quote, the male or female sex, or the state of being either male or female. Close quote. That's gender. How many are there? Everybody say it. How many are there? That definition has been abandoned and changed by advocates of transgenderism. Jackie Golob of the Center for Sexual Wellness states, and I quote, gender is a term that relates to how we feel about ourselves. It's how we feel about ourselves. The way we choose to express our gender through makeup, dresses, high heels, athletic shorts, sneakers, and more. Close quote. According to transgender ideology, your gender can change over time. It can shift. It can evolve. Gender is not about biology. It's about identity. It's about how you feel about yourself. And while there is no fixed number of genders according to transgenderism, my research this week, and I've researched this beyond this week, I've read books on this, for months and months and months. My research found websites, one listing there are four genders. Another website said there are seven genders. Another website said there were 12 genders. And then one site, medicinenet.com, listed 72 genders. Now, there is this murmur going through a crowd of very common sense, saved, born-again people because you're trying to process this, aren't you? It doesn't make sense to you. But the problem is our young children who do not have the developed mental capacity to process these kind of things, thus why they have a parent. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. But until he goes, he needs mom and dad. Your child needs you to help you with them, to help them with these things. So if you are a born-again believer who embraces the Bible as your rule for moral and spiritual truth, are you with me so far? I will say this as plainly as I can. You cannot embrace transgenderism 
at all. It is against the Word of God. And I'm going to go this far. It is morally wrong. Look, we need to teach. And some of this stuff seems so common sense to many of us. But it's not for, 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 for a lot of people. So, brothers and sisters, as born-again children of God, listen to me. You're going to have to just do the fundamentals and teach your children Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. This is important. This is so important. In the image of God, he created man. How did he create man? Male and female, he created them. There are just two genders. There's just two. And the reason there are two is because God only created two. But it's more than just the simple fact of creation, but it is within the creation of a male and a female that we see the image, the reflection of God. Listen to me. There is a godliness. You with me? There is a godliness to having male and female. A godliness. That's what those two genders are. Anything outside of that is a perversion of the image of God. It is a corruption of the image of God. And anything that is a perversion or corruption of the image of God is sin. So brothers and sisters, parents, deny the growing trend of raising children without designating them male or female. You know that's happening, right? I'll just wait till they get old enough and then they can tell me what they are. That's foolishness. That's the parent's job. It's God's job first. Biology tells us. I don't want to get into the argument. I, Leah and I have a friend, a child that was born, and there was a physiological oddity. That's so rare. We're not talking about physiological oddities at birth, okay? We're not talking about those things. We're talking about grown people. And right now, I'm worried about our children who are thinking, I'm not sure. There should not be any uncertainty. It is the parent's job to lovingly help their children embrace their bodily sexual reality. I used to listen to Focus on the Family for years. I love James Dobson. And I think that ministry helped so many people, especially back during the 80s and 90s, that they still are today. And I, I happen to see this quote, and I want to give it to you. And I quote, this is from Focus on the Family. Christian parents, and I believe this, by the way. That's why I'm quoting it to you. Christian parents can raise daughters who grow up to accept and enjoy femininity, knowing deep down that being a girl is a good gift from God. And they can raise sons to grow up to be healthy men who embrace masculinity and see it as a good gift from God. Now, I'm not spending half an hour doing an entire dissertation on this. I'm just highlighting things because of limitation of time. I'm dealing with the issues, and I'm giving you some, I can't, again, I, I can't cover all the bases. But enough to say to you today, brothers and sisters, we got to make up our minds about this. We cannot fall into these trends. And we've got to make sure 
that we're teaching our children what the Word of God says. I want to talk about homosexuality. For millennia, marriage was viewed universally as a union of one man and one woman. But on June 26, 2015, with the Supreme Court decision in Obergefell versus Hodges, marriage equality became the law of the land, and a man could marry a man, and a woman could marry a woman. This was the result of a major push in the United States for acceptance of homosexuals and their sexual lifestyle. I, this has always been amazing to me because since studies show that only 3.5% of adults in the United States identify as LGB, and that's including bi in there, by the way, which I think raises that level. Now, I know you're saying, yeah, Pastor, you pulled that from some church poll somewhere. No, that was from the UCLA School of Law Williams Institute, 3.5%. By the way, according to a Gallup poll, only less than 1% of all U.S. adults are married to a same-sex partner. It's not so common, is it? Is it? It's not. But boy, if you watch TV, you think it is. If you, if you watch comedies and shows, you think. If you watch movies, you just think it's less than 1% of all marriages. We need to know the facts. Our children are bombarded daily with messages from multiple fronts that tell them that being homosexual is okay, that you should accept it, that there's nothing wrong, morally wrong, with being gay. That's what we're being hit with. You and I are being hit with it every day. Almost every commercial now, there's a homosexual couple. Wells Fargo, you want me to start naming all the companies? Every commercial, there's a, they got to throw in they got to throw in a homosexual couple. Within their that market for that product is less than 1% of all married couples. So you're going to tell me, all of you with a business degree, that that marketing is being done to hit that particular demographic? No. No. I'm sorry, but I'm a little smarter than that. That's being done because there is a push, whether it is a conspiracy or whether it is just the motivated operation of the of the devil working in his world he is the god of this world that is saying i'm going to use every avenue i can to try to make them think this is normal and this is acceptable and then preachers like me have to get up and remind at least the people of god that that's not the biblical viewpoint the biblical viewpoint begs to differ and we need our children to know God's perspective on this matter. So, let me just give you three verses. Leviticus 18.22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Let me tell you in the Hebrew what that word means. An abomination is something that is disgusting to God and is absolutely despised and hated by God. And yet there are people that say those scriptures you're interpreting wrong and that God says it's okay for homosexuals to be active in their lifestyle. But I'm here to tell you, God, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Get mad at me if you want to. I'm just preaching the word. That's why I'm being very careful today not to give any of my opinions. Just preaching the word. That's my job. Don't shoot the messenger. But the words of God say God hates that. 
Things that are abomination are things that God passed judgment on. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that? Will somebody tell me the next two words? Everybody say it. The unrighteous. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Now, we've already hit two sexually immoral categories with fornicators and adulterers. Nor homosexuals, which are catamites, a boy kept by an older man for sexual purposes. So you have pedophilia and homosexuality in that. Nor sodomites, which are male homosexuals. So that's the classic understanding that we have of the gay movement. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Which means you're not going to go to heaven. Which means you're not under the rule or reign of God. You're in rebellion of the rule and reign of God. Are y'all still with me? I'm trying to teach you. This is what we have to teach our children. But in this society, we've gotten scared and we've gotten dumbed down and we're afraid to say anything. Get rid of your fear and go back to what thus, let God be true in every, I'm being bombastic. Let God be true in every man a liar. I'm doing good. But keep reading. No, don't, don't put it. Paul said, and such were some of you. There were, there were homosexuals, there were sodomites that were in, that in the Corinthian church. Paul said some of you were that way. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were thieves. Some of you lied all the time. But you heard the gospel. There's hope, but you were washed in the blood of Jesus. But you were sanctified. You were set apart from that lifestyle of sin unto God. But you were justified, declared not guilty. The, the, the righteousness of Christ was reckoned to your account in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He still saves. So let me, let me just say this to you. We must teach our kids that we can love the sinner and reject their sin. Because if you, if you would do some studies like I have done and understand the spirit behind the movement in this world that we're living in is that they want acceptance. They want tolerance. They want a, but then they want approval. Okay? We, we can do none of that because of what, because we allow the Bible to dictate what we believe we, we can allow none of that. We, can, we can't permit that in ourselves. So, so we got to teach our kids that you can, it's okay, despite, they're going to tell you you're being intolerant. They're going to call you a homophobe. Okay, by the way, when you get to the point in your discussion and argument for your, your case that you resort to name calling, you've lost. Did you hear what I just taught you? As long as you have a case, you'll argue the points. But when you know that you, you don't have a winning argument, then you start, don't you do that at home? No, don't answer that. I can accept the homosexual as a person made in the image of God who is in desperate need of a Savior. Can't you? 
I cannot nor will not condone that homosexual lifestyle because God's word says it's a sin. Transgenderism and homosexuality are sins. But listen to me. So are stealing, lying, cheating, adultery, being prideful. Sin is sin. Now, are there greater consequences to some sins than others? Absolutely. But we've taken some sins, and buddy, we have just, we want to jump on the bandwagon. But sin is sin. And transgenders and homosexuals, as well as everybody else, cheaters and liars and stealers, need to hear the gospel. Anybody bound in sin, they need to know that there is a better way. They need to know that they can experience freedom and wholeness. And we need to teach our kids to be like Jesus and extend grace and truth in love to those in need of salvation. And we beheld his glory, John said, of Jesus when he came in the flesh. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth says you're a sinner. Truth says what you're doing, God does not approve of at all. If you stay in this road, you're going to go to hell. You're, in, you're bound up in sin. You're in darkness. Truth says all these things, but grace also says, but there's hope for you. Jesus died on the cross. He can wash you. He can save you. He can pluck you out of that. He can change your life. He can make you right with God. That's see, grace and truth. We don't err on one or the other or you get out of balance. People who are all about truth are the people that stick their fingers and are critical online about transgenders and homosexuals and they're mean and they're hard and there's not an ounce of God in it. They think they're being godly. There's not an ounce of God in it because you've got a mean spirit. And if you err on the side of grace, 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 oh, we should let live and let live. Well, that's, they say that's how they were born. They say that's how they, that's what they feel. We should just, shouldn't we just accept that? That's groupthink. That's not grace. That's groupthink. Too much grace gives a license for sin. There's no accountability. There's no judgment. You have to have the balance of grace and truth. Are y'all all right? Okay, I've been preaching about 35 minutes. Y'all all right? Can I talk about one more? Y'all okay? I want to talk about mental health because it's an issue for our children. Children and adolescents face incredible challenges in these modern times. They had to endure a pandemic. I feel sorry for our kids. Some of them have to go through a divorce that their parents go through. They're shuffled between two families due to a divorce teenagers experience unbelievable peer pressure and trust me it's happening with our children too there's bullying whether it's at school or cyber bullying there's so many pressures I'm only naming a few and unable to handle the intensity of these things many of our children have developed serious mental health issues kids are in trouble one of the results has been an increase of suicide among youth According to a U.S. Davis Health, suicide is the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 to 24, and it's been increasing every year since 2007. Oftentimes, teenagers taking their lives. COVID amplified some of this due to isolation and distancing. Social media, video games, and cell phones have contributed also 
because kids are only connecting virtually and are less likely to interact with other kids their ages. Because as they are developing in all the other ways, your children have to develop socially. Ask any school parent who is a homeschool parent, and they will tell you, I can't just teach them at home. I have to get in homeschool group organizations where I can get my kid with other kids. They've got to learn how to interact besides our family unit. And so because of these things, COVID, social media, et cetera, social development has been stagnated, and this has not been healthy for the younger generation. And so consequently, listen to me, brothers and sisters, children and teens are struggling with low self-esteem. They're struggling with an uncertain sense of purpose. So I'm preaching as plainly, as simply, and pragmatically as I can. Brothers and sisters, parents, listen, we need to teach our children that they are perfect just as they are. He said, but they're not. Well, you know that, and I know that, God knows that. But you know what? They're still in process. None of us are perfect. You getting my point? That, so you're thinking about it wrong. Let your kids know they're perfect just the way they are. They're shorter than everybody else. You're perfect just the way. They're taller than everybody else. They're so self-aware. It's okay. God made you that way. They're, 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 they, have, they have weight. Okay, they're obese. It's okay, honey. It's okay. They're skinny as a rail. It's okay. I know you're skinny. I know you eat half the house. The refrigerator stays empty, and you can't gain any weight. But it's okay. One of these days, you will. Trust me, when you're 50, you're going to wish for these days. Everybody said, we need to teach our children, listen to me, that they're accepted by God and they're accepted by you. They got enough things beating them down. We need to build them up. And I'm not talking about fussing at them when they do something wrong. You get after them. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about more than ever before. We need to be building. You know, there's a scripture, there's a, there's a Bible word. It's called edification. Anybody ever heard that word? To edify means to build up. And I'm telling you right now, every parent, Christian parent in America needs the, the gift of edification. We need to be building up because there are enough forces trying to tear them down. We need to tell our t children that they are loved, that they are special. Tell your kids they're special. Tell them they have a God-ordained destiny because they do. Did you hear me? They do. They have a God-ordained destiny. Tell them that. Tell them, you, 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 God has a plan for your life. Don't you let your friends or the devil or anybody else get you out of that plan. You stay right where God, God's taking you somewhere. I can't wait to see, but it's going to be awesome. Give them something to look forward to other than what the world is offering. I feel the Holy Ghost. I may not be all over the house, but I feel the Holy Ghost anointing on me this morning. I encourage you to instruct your child how to build their self-esteem on what God says about them. Not what friends say about them. Not what bullies say about them. Not what social media says. These pictures get doctored up and they're following these celebrities. Those celebrities have the most screwed up lives you've ever seen. They're getting counseling. They can't stay married for more than six months. They give their children weird names. I probably shouldn't have gone there. You can name your kid whatever you want to. That's not that's not your that's not your that's not the person to look up to. That's not your influence. Point them towards real people. 
Point your son towards their father. If he's a good, godly father. Point your, point your daughter towards your mother if she's a good, godly mother. Point him towards your grandfathers. I'm so glad my dad, my dad's in heaven, but I'm glad my boys got to be influenced by my dad. I'm trying everything I can. I don't know how long the Lord's going to let me live or if Jesus is going to. Y'all, by the way, I don't think it's going to be long before Jesus is coming back. Y'all better stay right with God. Are y'all watching the news? I just don't think it's going to be long. I think the devil's trying I think the devil's trying to lull the church into sleep. We've got our eyes on everything bad on some things good and we've lost our we have got our eyes off of Jesus. But I'm telling you the trumpet could sound this morning. You could get in your car on the way home and the trumpet will sound and we'll be out of here. I want to be ready to go. I don't care about this world. I don't care about the things of this world. Let your little kingdom go and stay under the umbrella of God's kingdom. He could come at any moment. Hallelujah. Lift your hands in this church. Just give God praise. Would you just right now give God praise? Hallelujah. 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 Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm almost done. Billy, y'all, come on. You need to hurry, please. Tell your kids you love them. He said, well, everybody does that. No, they don't. Do you know there are fathers that will tell their boys they love them until they turn about 10 11 12 and then all of a sudden they quit because their daddy didn't tell them i had kids in my youth group that their father never told he said i put a roof over your head and clothes in your back and food on your table that's how i tell you i love you that's so callous and ignorant and damaging boys are desperate for love and attention from their fathers how are they going to know how to be a man if you don't teach them I'm teaching them how to be a man. Men say, I love you. Men say, I'm sorry. Men admit when they're wrong. You're not giving them the full package. Oh, you don't have to amen me if you want to. But I'm 56, almost 57. I've already been there, done that. I'm still doing it. Our boys, our girls need mothers who are teaching them. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that they're wonderful. Tell them often. Tell them that you're proud of them. One of the things somebody wiser than me when I was young taught me Tell your children that you're proud of them, not just when they accomplish something. I, I, somebody poured that into me. See, somebody like me standing up here today poured that into me when I was younger. And so I made up my mind. I'm going to tell Jaron and Evan every chance I get that I'm proud of. And I hope they remember the times. I still do it today. When I look at them, I looked at them, I'd say, I'm so proud. They would do something so good. I'd say, I'm so proud of you. But I said, you know what? Even if you hadn't have made that, that, that score or if you hadn't have got that grade, you know what? I'm still proud of you just because you're my son. I said that. I tried my best to say that as often. I wanted them to know they didn't have to earn. They just got it because they were mine. You say, Pastor, will all that will all that make a difference? You better believe it. Come on, stand with me, and I want everybody in this church to come to this altar, please. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.